listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us here on the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Angel, and I'm joined by my co-host, Nick View. And we're going to pick up where we left off on the last episode where we were talking about public land. Um, Nick kind of closed us out on a, on a bit of a humorous uh, turkey hunting story where uh, he sent some poor young man uh, running for cover because he had encountered a, a Yeti with a shotgun. So if you missed that, you know, be sure to go back and listen. Um, but we're just going to kind of pick up where we left off. We had a few more topics that we wanted to cover. Uh, so with that, first of all, how's it going, Nick? Oh, it's going good. It's it's going better. Uh, good week, and yeah, I can't wait to get back into this. It's, you know, it's, such, it's a topic that you just really can't, you know, talk enough about. It's a, it's so it's such a cornerstone for everything you can do in the, in the outdoors that I think we could talk about public land every episode and never actually uh, never actually talk about all of it. And I'm sure we probably will talk about it quite a bit. This is definitely not the uh, the, the final time we will be discussing and discussing something about public land. So uh, I guess so far you're managing to uh, forget what you said your daughter called it, but you've managed to escape the influ- the influenza so far. Yeah, I have, but I'm pretty paranoid. <laughs> I don't, I don't blame you. My my wife gives me a hard time because uh, once I once I know that people are starting to get sick, I'm I'm just religious about you know the hand sanitizer thing and uh, just reek of the the alcohol odor every time I get a chance. I'm 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 washing my hands and especially if if someone in the house gets sick, it's it's yeah I become obsessed over it. Well, I disinfected my I, keyboard today. I never do that. <laughs> well i'm so the only one that types on my keyboard so unless i'm going to infect myself i'm i guess i'm pretty safe there well me too but i'm gross so <laughs> anyway <laughs> so i guess let's just go ahead and jump in and get started um I, I i do want to continue um where we left off and i know we were talking about and i really hated to, to end a, a, an episode on a negative but um we kind of went off on some tangents and, and things went a little long but um, at least we we managed for for you to to uh, end on a humorous story in a uh, that could have been a negative slant. But we were talking about you know some of the the negatives or maybe the the perceived negatives of of hunting public land, and we had a couple of uh, stories. We talked a little bit uh, about you know. Uh, people littering and good stewardship and not taking care of, of, of the public lands. And, you know, I was thinking after that episode, and one of the things that I, I, I did want to spend just a, a brief amount of talking uh, uh, time talking about with regards to that is, um, you know, each of us that, that are, that's using public land, you know, we have a responsibility that if we see that kind of activity, if we see somebody doing it, and I'm not talking about getting in a confrontation, but you know, it never hurts to walk up to someone and just say, you know, you know, this is this is my land too, um, and and I'd appreciate it if you, you know, if you cleaned up behind yourself or you know, remove that that uh, marking tape when you're done. Um, but also, you know, you were you were talking. Um, uh, the last time, I think at the very beginning about, you know, you, you had started, already started scouting for this fall and, and you took your girls out with you, um, which is great. I think anytime you can get kids, you know, out there, it's, it's a good thing. But one thing that I used to do, and it's kind of funny, um, my daughter, Bella, she's, she's only been hunting with me a couple of times and there's various reasons for that. No reason to get into it. She wants to go more, but she's so 
she's so dedicated to her her um, education right now that she just really doesn't have time. But but I digress. But when I started taking her fishing years ago, um, one of the things that I always made sure we packed was a, a garbage bag, not a, not a big garbage bag, just a garbage bag. And we would go and we would spend the day fishing and we would spend the last 20 minutes or so, not a long time, but enough time to, you know, kind of make an impact on her mentally. But we would spend 15 to 20 minutes just you know, walking the stream, picking up trash, maybe the along the the, the access road, those kind of things, and um, we did that every time. and And for a while there, we we went out fishing quite a few times, or quite often, I should say. And uh, I guess we'd been doing that for a year or two. And and I got in a hurry one day. We were leaving, and and she literally stopped me at the door and said, "Dad, you're forgetting something." And I. Uh, you know what am I forgetting and she said you didn't you didn't get a trash bag so that told me you know how much kids are paying attention and how much they they learn and they they follow in our footsteps and to her that was as much a part of us going out and spending time in the outdoors as as the fun was it you know she saw that as as a responsibility and that's a that's a great thing and it 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 took very little to instill that into her yeah you know you know you never it never ceases to amaze me what what kids really pick up and what's what ends up being important to them that you don't you don't think is gonna be um just the little things my my kids are the same way aubrey and mackenzie when they go out in the woods if they see any trash i mean they're like appalled by it and they they go pick it up and you know put it in their pocket um but with other things too like aubrey will um, in particular, Aubrey, Aubrey has what she calls her spring collection. And it's something she learned in preschool. Um, they would take them out in the, in the woods nearby and let them, they do little walks and stuff like that. And so she still has this, she still has the spring collection, but what it is, is that whenever Aubrey ever goes anywhere, um, if she finds anything interesting in the woods, she'll, she'll take it, she'll take it back with her and she'll put it in a box under her bed. So I never knew what the spring collection was until I found it one day. And I mean, it was pretty much pungent potpourri by that time. Uh, (laughs) Lord knows what was in there, but I mean, feathers and leaves and, and, you know, pine cones and, and, uh, weeds and, and nests, bird nests, like she'd find on the ground or acorns or, or rocks. I mean, there was so much in there. Um, but it, it, that was really the, I mean, that's what she was, you know, revved up about. I mean, that's what she wanted to do. She, she loved to find that stuff. And still to this day, whenever, whenever I go to, um, whenever I go to visit you or anything, I always try to find quartz or, or I found a turtle shell for her one time, a box turtle shell, um, brought that home for her and, and kind of painted that up a little bit. And, and, uh, she really gets a kick out of that stuff. Um, and Mackenzie, she she's always looking for stuff she could do with crafts so she you know if if it's a rock she can paint or anything you can glue on a piece of construction paper or tape it she's all about it so she she really she really gets into that um but yeah that that really wasn't learned that's just something they they love to do and recently um what i started doing is uh, aubrey gets bored really easy so um when we went I've done this a couple times now where I've handed her, I always take my camera with me, my SLR, 
And um, I always hand it to her. And I just say, you know, I usually have my bow and I'm stumping or something. And the girls call it hunting when they come with me anyway. They think I'm hunting, which I always have to tell them, you know, a little side tangent. Don't tell people that daddy's hunting, especially when it's not deer season, you know, or daddy's going to get a call about poaching. <laughs> yeah, the man, the man in the green suit will show up at your door. Yeah, exactly. So what I started doing was I started handing Aubrey my camera and she just, she's a good little photographer. She just takes pictures. Like she'll take pictures of me shooting. She'll take pictures of her sister. She'll have her sister take pictures of her. And, and they, they didn't complain one time we were in the woods. We probably walked a mile and a half, you know, there and then back. Um, they never complained once. I mean, they, that's a first, um, when they were a little bit smaller and their legs were smaller, they had a real hard time, especially Mackenzie. But now that they're getting a little bit taller and they can handle some of the terrain, you know, other than getting poked and, um, or his slapped in the face with a stick, which, uh, you were talking about that lesson with Bella with the trash. Well, you know, we're learning all kinds of things about being out in the woods. And, um, one of them is, you know, you hold sticks for the person behind you, you know, Rather than Aubrey, <laughs> yeah, I know some adults that could learn. Yeah, that could <laughs> learn an education there. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I I had never really thought about it before, but like the first, as soon as we got into the woods, Aubrey like moved this stick out of her face, and it just swung back and just smacked Mackenzie <laughs> in the teeth. And I was just, and she used to ball, and and I was just like, "What?" Because she hit me with a stick. I'm like, "She didn't hit you with the stick. The stick hit you in the face." But Aubrey, you're supposed to hold the stick for the person in front of you, and we had to repeat this over and over again the entire trip. And I kept thinking, "Man, that's just something you just kind of like over time. Like it's a it's a courtesy you do for other people in the woods. Like if you're walking and you hold a big branch, you don't just let the thing swing back and hit somebody in the face." <laughs> But kids don't know any better, you know. Well, you're but. you're doing better than than I am because I have to admit I've tried carrying Bella out with me twice uh, scouting, um, and both times have ended in sheer disaster. It, it <laughs> in fact, one one of them, it, it, she jokes about it now, but I, I still think it really bothers her a little bit. But uh, the first time I carried her out, it was it was late summer and. We we arrived at the WMA, and I thought I was going to be able to drive most of the way in, but the the gate was closed, so we had to walk. And we're we're walking down this gravel road, and I can't even remember how old she was. She wasn't very old at the time, maybe maybe six or seven. And she sees a grasshopper, and she decides she wants to catch this grasshopper. So. I'm literally helping her in what is to become one of the <laughs> the biggest traumatic events of her life. <laughs> I tell her, well, I'm going to circle around and, and I'll get his attention and then you try to grab it, right? I mean, makes sense. So I circle around this, 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 and this grasshopper was huge. I mean, it was like three inches long and it's watching me, right? So it's turning. And I said, all right, Bella, grab it. Well, bless her heart. She went to grab this thing and the gravel rolled under her feet as she lunged for this grasshopper. And I mean, she hit the ground hard. She hit the ground so hard. It was like a, a puff of dust came out and, <laughs> oh, oh no. it, it, it just, I, I felt like the biggest heel. Right. And, you know, pick her up and dust her off and, and get her to, you know, finally get her to stop crying. Cause it, you know, it, it hurt. Um, and she's probably going to be mad at me when she finds out I'm telling this story. But, you know, it, it, 
it was it was it was it was a big deal and still is. Like I said, we we kind of joke about it a little bit now. And then the the second time, I carry out and I'm actually going to check a, a couple of trail cameras, and she's walking literally right behind me. And for some unknown reason, we're a mile away from my my truck at this point, but we were walking on a road. We didn't step off the road and into the woods. 20 yards and I hear her she didn't she didn't cry out she didn't scream but she said ow like and you knew it was something was wrong you could just tell that when you're with your kids you know something's wrong here and I turned around and she's looking and pointing at her foot and there's this red wasp that you know had to be an inch and a half long and this thing is just drilling her, and it's it's going around in circles, trying to get the I guess the stinger in just deeper. And Ooh. you know, I I whirled around and knocked this thing off. Well, Bella had had lots of allergies growing up, so the first thing that goes in my mind is, oh crap, I gotta you know I've got to get to the truck. If in case she has a an allergy, I had Benadryl in the truck, but I didn't have anything with me in case she has a reaction. So I scoop her up and literally run as fast as I can go all the way back to the truck. And she was probably, I don't know, eight, eight years old at the time, I guess. Um, she didn't have a reaction. We got her to the truck. We start driving home, and she's she knows that I'm freaking out, right? So she's sitting there reassuring me, Dad, I'm okay. Um, and And... You know her foot's it's her friend where she got stung swelled swelled up a little bit, but you know to this day she still has a scar uh, on her foot from that from that wasp thing. So wow. yeah, I mean you're you're doing much better than I am at this point. So oh, I don't know <laughs> whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Well, okay, so we both have girls. Um, I got to share this before we move on. So of course. <laughs> what what accommodates spending a lot of time in the woods is learning how to go to the bathroom in the woods. And yes, there are still people I know who don't do it right. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but so we get, we get about a mile and a half back and we're in that spot that I wanted to check out on the topo and we're back there and we're, we're kind of on the edge of this big bowl and there's nobody around. And, and Aubrey's, you know, of course, you know, she slammed a whole, juice or whatever before we went out there and she's like i gotta go to the bathroom dad and i'm like can you wait and she's like no it's gonna take a long time to walk i can't wait and i'm like she's like what do i do i'm like go and she's like what do you mean i'm like you you take your pants off and you'd go and she <laughs> we did that all the time growing up hell we lived in the woods and i mean of course you know three boys we don't have a problem going it's just a lot easier right. than for us you know in fact we preferred yep. to pee outside sometimes we just go outside to pee anyway because somebody was always in the bathroom so the girls you know that's just appalling so i'm like oh i'm gonna have to teach this kid how to go to the bathroom in the woods and you know of course mackenzie's just watching intently because she's just like oh i can't believe that sissy's gonna go to the bathroom in the woods this is crazy and she's just you know her eyes are just bugged out of her head so i i mean aubrey's a ham so i mean so i go you're gonna have to go do it aubrey and so i'm like i'm not gonna look and i'm gonna turn kenzie around too and you gotta go over there take your pants off squat down and go you know, go over by that stump so nobody else sees you. So she walks over by this deadfall, and uh, this this stump, this big old stump, is bigger than she was. And and I hear all of a sudden, I, you know, she she drops trow, and I turn around, and and all of a sudden I hear giggling. 
you know, and I'm like, all right, I turn around, I said, what are you doing? And I see she's, I mean, she's just white butt sticking way out. She's not squatting. She leaned over, pants are down around her ankles. She's peeing into her pants, which are down around her ankles and in a steady flow. And I'm just like, oh no, stop. I can't stop. You need to stop. I'm like, no, squat down. Like I'm trying to tell her. I'm like, you need to squat down. I'm like, you're peeing into your pants. And she just looked out and she goes, oh. <laughs> and then she squats down and she finishes. I'm like, and she barely had any left. And I just go, uh, she goes, hey, you got a wipe? And I'm like, no, I don't have a wipe. You're going to have to deal with it. So she, <laughs> so she has these pee pants. So she's got, I mean, her pants were soaked and we had to walk a mile and a half back. So I mean, she was, you know, wow that that that's <laughs> quality family entertainment right there. <laughs> you <did>. can't. <laughs> well, and, you know, kids forget so damn fast. I mean, we got home and she's like, she immediately went and got her got her tablet. She starts playing on it. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, well, I got it. She's like, I what? I'm like, you're sitting in pee pants. You need to go take care of that. And she's like, oh yeah. And she went, I'm like, this is funny. I'm like, I don't know. So Mackenzie, when we were out there, she goes, I got to go too, Dad, because she was all gung-ho about it, right? You know, and I'm like, no, you're not. It would be a catastrophe. You're going to have to hold it. <laughs> so so, so here's the question. Did uh, have Does Jess know about all this? Oh, she knew about it. I was actually going to take a picture because <laughs> I thought it was that funny. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to embarrass this kid. And plus, you know, you, you, you said, you know, I just, I didn't feel right about it. But yeah, I told her all about it. She was just, she was just hysterical. I mean, but it's the first time that we've ever had to do that. Um, you know, usually when I when I was younger, I would, I and they were first, you know, they were young, really, really young. I think the first time I took Mackenzie out, she was two and a half, maybe. And Aubrey, you know, when she was two, and then she would have been four. Um, I used to take Aubrey out, the two of us, all the time when she was real little. But, I mean, I always end up having to carry him back. So I didn't go very far, and I didn't spend a whole lot of time out there. Um, I don't even think I brought my I brought my bow every once in a while back then. But, um, you know, I never had to worry about it. Now I've got to, like, I, 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 I feel like a fool because I didn't plan it. Like, if, I, if I'm going to take them, i got to make sure I have a dad bag, bag packed with, like, stuff in it right. for a little girl, you know. Um, but, I mean, yeah, my dad never checked on any of that. Like, he was just like, we're going to the woods, you know. You need anything, bring it. <laughs> well, it is. It's 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 definitely different with with girls than it is with boys. I mean, I, I you know, I grew up with a brother. I don't have, uh, and I know you've got you've got brothers too. But um, you know, when I when I had my first child, uh, you know, a daughter, I was in completely new territory. And you know, now obviously, I I keep telling everybody I'm being punished for my my teenage years because I've got all daughters. So I've got three daughters, but. But yeah, that's 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 very cool. That's a cool story. Oh yeah, man, I'm I'm in trouble. I mean, you can't even do a round of three Ds with with little girls without having a backpack with with like wet naps and a juice box and graham crackers and and a shirt and and an extra pair of pants and socks and and I mean, <laughs> it's like you never oh, know believe what's going to happen. I, Bug, I, don't. I know how much trouble you're in because Lori and I talk about it all the time with the stuff that that gets posted on Facebook as far as the kids. <laughs> we we know you're you're in big trouble. Yeah, I am. They're they're worse than me. 
But <laughs> anyway, I know we got off on a tangent, but I think it was worthwhile. But yeah, man, there's nothing better than bringing your kid into the woods. I'm just happy that that they want to go. Um, you know, I, and, and I've been looking for other reasons to get them out there, you know, thinking about maybe getting back into fishing. You know, my dad always took us fishing. And we got a lot of places you can fish around here, and I think the kids would really enjoy it. Um, their grandfather took them a couple times, and, you know, they just – they were kind of freaked out by the fish, but, you know, I, I think that they'd like it or, you know, whether we do that or berry picking, you know, they like to pick berries. Um, Jess really likes to do that. Um, I want to find some blackberry places around here. Um, and, you know, maybe morels, you know, you know, I don't know, but I mean, if you can turn it, if you can make it fun, you can turn it into a scavenger hunt or, or yeah, hopefully we're getting to the point now where they, they get real lazy with their bows. I'd like to, I'd like to take them in the woods and stump shoot, but their, their arrows, you really don't stick and they don't really like to carry their stuff. And I end up carrying it. They'd rather just take pictures or do a scavenger hunt kind of thing. And that's fine with me. As long as they want to be out in the woods with me, I'm good for it. And I hope at least one of them wants to continue to do that as they're older. And hopefully one of them wants to hunt or something. Well, anything, Anything they're doing outside is going to be better than, than watching TV or, or playing a video game. So, you know, yeah, by all means, keep them out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you like, yeah, we did, we did kind of get off on a tangent there, but I do think it, I, I do think it is important. And, you know, that's one thing that, that I hope we, we continue to focus on and, and, and work into this is, is the importance of, of bringing up kids right as far as getting them outdoors and, um, and and teaching them the things that we've learned. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't be too busy doing what you're doing to not let them be a part of it. Because at some point they're not going to be there. And, absolutely. I mean, and I, you know, I I totally because I, I, I've caught myself I don't know how many times, and this is totally a worthwhile discussion where I've said, you know, man, what a pain. You know, I can't do this. I can't do that. And mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I was talking. Uh, Another, I know we're throwing friends out all over the place, but I, uh, I was talking to one of my MLA friends, uh, Floyd Wells, uh, Bub, and he was telling me about his daughter, who's my age, and he's like, man, when I was when I was younger, he's like, I was into this, and, you know, my wife wasn't, and I brought that little girl everywhere with me. She tailed, she she tailed, you know, everywhere I went. Where if I was going to a 3D shoot, she was going to be there with me. If I was in the woods, she was there with me. And, you know, never regretted a minute of it. And it's same, you know, I'm, I, I gotta, I gotta catch myself where I'm, I'm, I'm like irritated, like, you know, you know what, this isn't going to last forever. And, and you want them to, you want them to, if they have grandkids someday, or if, if they have your grandkids someday and they have the kids of their own and whatnot, you know, you, you want them to, to have, appreciate the outdoors too. You know, you got to plant the seed now or, it's not going to happen. Well, and that's that's a lot of the reason I think we're having declining numbers. Is it's a it's a trickle it's a trickle down effect when you start, you know, uh, if 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 you don't keep your kids involved, then there's almost no chance that that they're going to want to pass that along to their kids. So um, again, yeah, I, I definitely think that's important. But mm-hmm. let's let's try to get this this train back on the, <laughs> on the rails a little bit, I guess. Sure. And um, if we if we back up. Um, uh, talking about the you know the 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 other hunters we've had experiences we've we've run into in the woods and sounds like most of your experiences have been have been pretty good but um have you ever have you ever thought about um uh potentially using 
other hunters or or other people like you was talking about the cyclists and so forth have you ever thought about using them as a as a hunting tool um it's happened by accident before um i mean i've had people tell me i used to think my hunt was ruined if i saw anybody in the woods um and a lot of times it might even have been you as always said you know watch watch the back trail like you know they might they might kick something out you know, some people say that they love to be in the woods at random time, like, you know, 11, 12 o'clock and hunt till four or five or till the rest of the day, because that's when people are getting in and out of the woods and the deer are getting kicked out of their beds and spooked. And that's kind of what's, what's happened to me before. I remember, um, a couple, a couple Novembers ago, we had a real bad snow and, uh, I mean, we had like, you know, a foot and a half of snow on the ground and, uh, I went out in the woods and, and got all settled and I, I was on a real nice funnel on the top of a, um, on the top of a, uh, it was actually more of a finger on top of a ridge. And, uh, it, it was a nice little, it, it was coming off some, it was coming off a clear cut and, uh, it, it was, I was set up in the bushes and I mean, slightly uphill. And I mean, I had, I w I was all set and, uh, you know, of course about, a half an hour before dark, uh, a guy came walking in, younger kid, and uh, you know he, I, I could, you know he was he again he was taking the long way into where he was going, and I happened to have been there, and uh, he was he had actually tracked through a bedding area that I knew of, and I was kind of hunting off the edge of. And I just thought, okay, it's it's over now. I'm like, nothing's gonna happen. And it had been a really quiet night. I hadn't seen anything, but I'm like, okay, what's the worst that could happen? I'm gonna wait this out till dark. Um, and I did, and sure enough, you know, rate, you know, not in, like 20, 30 minutes later, right at dark, you know, we had I had five or six does come out the opposite direction from where he came. Um, he had he had pushed them. And they, they came, they worked the wind and came right around and, and I ended up getting a shot at one of them. And I don't think that would have happened had he not done that. Um, they, they probably would have either just, I mean, I, they wouldn't have gone that way. It's hard to explain, you know, when you're, when you're talking on a, on a podcast, you know, without being able to visually sure. show anybody, but they worked the other side of the ridge. They walked all the way around. They used another track that they from their bedding area and they, they came right in and yeah, that would not have happened. And, um, that's one instance in particular that specifically I can name that another hunter caused an opportunity for me. Um, so what about you, Steve? So, so yeah, I've, I've had one really sticks out to me where something very similar has happened, uh, for me. It was actually the, the only time I've actually, um, taken a shot at a, a black bear with a, um, traditional gear. Um, I had set up, was in a, was in a stand, um, on the, on the kind of a, the leeward side of a ridge. And there was a, uh, gosh, we keep coming back to these logging roads. Yeah. Really give me a hard time about this. Yeah, we're going to have to explain um, these logging roads at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. At some point, I'm sure I'll keep bringing them up cause I, I, I tend to spend a lot of times hunting around them, but there was a, uh, I heard footsteps and, and got to look and it was, it was two hunters and they were walking up this, this old logging road, which was going to bring them literally just right behind me. Uh, and they saw me and motioned me and, you know, I could tell they were, they, they motioned that they were, they were sorry. And, and they kept going, uh, the direction they were going. And I listened to them 
their their footsteps fade away. And I thought, well, you know, it's still early in the afternoon. Maybe maybe something will still come by. So I kept sitting there, and uh, it wasn't five minutes after their footsteps had just faded out to where I couldn't hear them anymore. I heard footsteps again, and my first thought was, if those guys are coming back now, now I'm gonna be a little bit upset. And I eased and turned around and looked, and obviously they had as as they were walking around this 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 hill, this small mountain that I was hunting on. Um, a black bear had obviously not liked them too much and came across the top of the, the hill and was working its way down towards me. Um, and I probably should have, uh, well, I did get a shot off, but long story short, I couldn't, the only way I could shoot behind me was to actually get down on my knees on the platform of my, my stand. And even then I was, um, it was pitching the wrong way. So I couldn't bend at the waist to shoot so i had to uh, i adjusted my elevation using my my bow hand and it just caused me to shoot really low i shot right up under it and mm. and and it took that bear about two seconds to to clear uh into the next county i've never seen an animal move that fast i don't think <laughs> but but the difference is th- that i will throw out is that sometimes uh and i could go into a couple of situations but um that I've actually used other hunters to my advantage um, more so by knowing areas that uh, I know that are, that a hunter's using uh, and, you know, deer pattern hunters, you hear and read that all the time. And with a little bit of effort um, and really just paying attention, sometimes you can do the same thing. And um, that uh, McGraw Ford WMA that, that you hunted with me, you know, several years ago, I've hunted that a lot for a long time. And I knew where there were two uh, ladder stands that there were two gentlemen that hunted it. And every weekend they were there at, you know, before daylight, every Saturday and every Sunday without fail. Didn't matter what the wind was doing. They were, they were going, that was the only two stands I guess they owned because they were going to be in those stands. And I actually uh, started doing just a little bit of, uh, of searching and actually found um, a, a trail that appeared to be being used very heavily that the deer were actually circling these two um, stands by working through the, the edge of some pines. And, and like you said, it's hard to explain this, but um, you'll know where I'm talking about because it was the same little section of pines where we had that, that hog just about run over us that morning right at daylight. <laughs> but the, the deer were actually coming across a, a power line and they would hook into these pines that actually came down and formed a, a point of a triangle. And then they would, they would come down and cross the, they would cross the highway. And these two hunters could sit there all day, every day. And the deer were walking right by them within 70, 80 yards, but they couldn't see them. Um, and I, it took me a few times. I got busted a couple of times, but I actually set up inside of those pines down closer to the point where I knew the if the if the animal was going to be avoiding these hunters, and if they stayed in these woods to the last minute before they had to cross the road, they had to come down to this pinch point, um, and it and it worked perfectly. And I even set up uh, cameras there on one of those trails, and you could literally leave that camera running and the only time you would see animals using the edge of those woods like that would be on the weekend 90 percent of the time it was really kind of i mean they just they had patterned those two hunters um 
So, I mean, you can you can do things like that. It, it doesn't happen very often, but, you know, I would just say make a mental note if you're out scouting and you run across a stand and um, you know somebody's hunting the area. Think about if, if, if you were a whitetail, if you were a deer, what would you do to avoid that hunter? And a lot of times it, it can definitely pay off. Yeah, and uh, on that note, uh, that wouldn't be the first time that somebody sent a, a bear at you, would it? <laughs> no, it, it wouldn't be the first time somebody sent a bear at me. I think a, <laughs> the second time somebody sent a bear at you was a little bit, I guess that one came in a little bit hotter. <laughs> well, it, it, it started to, but then it... Uh, it stopped and 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 mulled around for a little bit, uh, but when it when it finally did decide to bolt and run by me, I mean, I could have smacked him on the on the butt with my bow. He went by so close. Yeah. I don't think he ever knew I was there, but he knew you was there. Oh yeah, folks, we've got a really good. We're gonna have to. Um, this is kind of one of those stories you'd probably want to tell with maybe Tom on the podcast or something one of these days. But one of the first times I hunted with Steve, we had a. I had my first black bear encounter. And, um, wasn't really hunting bears. It wasn't really planned. Uh, but you know, one came in and, and, uh, to make a long story short and I'll tell the details later, but, um, the, uh, he, uh, winded me after I watched him for a little while and went ballistic and Steve was hunting up the ridge behind me and the bear ran right at him towards the, towards him on that ridge. And, Almost simultaneously after it happened, by the time I'd gathered myself and this bear was woofing and making a scene and he was just barreling down towards Steve. Um, I was shaking at the time. And by the time I got a text off to Steve that there's a bear, he was just texting me that there was a bear and it almost ran him over and he could have smacked it. And it was it was it was something. But it's funny that. uh, Yeah, I totally caused that. Yeah, we were and we were only we were only about sixty yards apart, I guess. I mean, we were pretty close to each other. Oh, and I thought he was going to maul you or something. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and that was the that was the same morning that Tom had the the challenge with the climbing sticks. But like you said, that's probably that that whole uh, that whole morning is probably just a a good story in itself. Oh, that's a hell of a public another land story. That's a trip. That that's probably my yeah, favorite public land story I've ever I have. I uh, wrote about that one. That one's actually going to be in the uh, the book. It's called Georgia Boo Boo. That one's going to be, that's a good one. That's actually one of my favorites. Um, but also, Steve, I had, a, I had a question for you. You were talking about how to use, um, kind of use hunters to your advantage um, on public land. But what about, what about using public land to your advantage against other hunters? Um going places they're not willing to go using natural obstacles like creeks and stuff. You, you've kind of always impressed me with your ability to kind of find places that people don't go. And I wanted you to talk about that a little bit, because I think that's a, that's a really good tip for people who hunt in a populated area and might want to get away from people. Uh, and it, yeah, it's a, it's a very good point. And it is, it is something that I, that I, well, I look for when I'm scouting and you know, it's kind of funny. I wish I would love to be able to do some kind of, um, uh, uh, analysis and actually collect data, but I'm a firm believer that, you know, if, if it's, if it's a, a body of water that would go over the top of 
you know, a, a, a pair of boots, just over the top of the boots, you're probably going to eliminate 20% of public land hunters. If it's water that goes, you know, up to your, beyond your ankles, I would say you're going to knock off another 10 to 15%. If it's up to your knees, 50% you just left behind. And if it's anything over that, um, you're probably going to be by yourself. And, you know, I've, I've done, I've done some pretty crazy things. In fact, um, I've probably done some things that, that I really shouldn't have, like, uh, wading, wading across rivers, uh, wading, wading across a river in, in late November when it was, you know, temperatures hovering below the freezing mark in a set of waders in pitch black dark, you know, to get away from, from, from the masses. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, there's a, and this is on, I oh, keep talking about McGraw Ford, but like I said, I've hunted that a lot. And one of the areas that I really like to hunt on McGraw Ford, you have to cross up, um, a fairly decent Creek. It's probably, I don't know. It's probably 10 yards wide. And in most, most of the year you can actually cross it just with standard rubber hunting boots, you know, 16 mm-hmm. inch hunting boots, like most people wear. Um, but it, it, where we where we typically cross, it's fifty yards or less from where it runs into a, the Etowah River, which is a, a pretty decent sized river. So if the if the river rises from rain, it backs up in this little creek, and you know it can get pretty deep. And I've I've actually had to wear um, chest waders before multiple times uh, to cross this 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 creek. Um, because the water was so high and uh 95% of the time unless Brandon's with me because Brandon's actually crossed it with me several times we're the you know we have you're talking about a you know seven eight hundred acre track of land that we've just got completely to ourselves and we actually can tell a difference in the amount of deer activity during those situations because even the deer have gotten used to it if if the water's high if it's wet and rainy they're just not going to have the people coming across Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple of years ago, I actually got myself in a bad situation there because I, uh, well, I've got a couple of funny stories about that Creek, but, um, I actually went in early one morning, pitch black, dark, it had been raining. It had been wet the, the whole summer. And I think this was the first time I was actually crossing it. Um, and I got about halfway across and stepped off into some sediment. Um, and it, it scared me a little bit because I, I sunk pretty quick. It just about went over the top of my waders. And I had a really hard time freeing myself from the muck just because of the, you know, the suction it created. Um, and then there was, yeah, there's another story about that creek. I showed up. So I started hunting that, that, that WMA, I don't know, probably uh, 10 years or more ago. And at the time, I had been working – uh, working a lot of hours and I really hadn't gotten to hunt much that, that, that year. And I came up one weekend and I had a free weekend to hunt and I just grabbed my stuff and, and I headed up there, um, one morning and it was, I want to say it was early, really either really late November, or early December. And it was cold. It was for us. I say cold. It's, it definitely wasn't Michigan cold, but for <laughs> Georgia, it was cold. I would say it was in the mid twenties. Um, 
and I, I get there and I park. And again, this was where you, we had to park at the road at the time and you had to walk, you know, three quarters of a mile to get down to the Creek. And I get all the way down there and didn't have my waders. Did I had my hip boots on and I could hear the river raging and it just hit me that it had been really raining a lot and it was raining hard or had been raining hard and the, the river was swollen. The Creek was backed up and I'm sitting there going, well, I can either choose to hunt this or I can choose to hunt somewhere I really don't want to, or I can go back home. Um, and I thought about it a little bit. And shortly after that, I basically stripped down to my underwear and put my, uh, my, my boots and my, my pants over my shoulder. And I went across that, that stream. Uh, and it was just below my boxers. I mean, it was up, you know, above my knees. Ugh. And yeah, it was cold. Got out on the other side, dried myself off with my wool pants. And by the time I actually walked to where I was going to hunt, I was fine. Didn't see a thing the entire day. And it hit me about three o'clock in the afternoon that I was going to have to repeat that process to get back to my truck. So, um, (laughs) It doesn't always it doesn't always pay off, but it pays off enough that anything that you can find that's that's an obstacle um, for other hunters, you you stand a good chance of, of, of putting some distance between you and other people. Um, yeah, I mean, and you hear about people taking you know canoes to islands, uh, you know stuff like that. I mean, there there's something to be said about that. I mean, there's places that you some sometimes people just don't want to climb a steep hill, or they're thinking about the drag out, and they want to make that as easy as possible, so they don't so they don't go places with thick brush or or you know it's in Michigan that's that's pretty common. Yet you know people are pretty lazy about that stuff. But well, and 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 we have to be honest too. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are just you know a, a lot of woodsmanship skills are 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 gone they're dead and a lot of them are just they're scared they're going to get lost Mm -hmm. oh i can attest to that like yeah i I mean i go a little bit deeper every year um you know but i really got to push myself to do it um and the other thing is too i'm I'm sure there's other people that are like me but i i don't have a lot of opportunities where i can sit the whole day at least i haven't um you know I usually have to barter with, with Jess about whether, okay, you know, if you're, if I, if you're going to hunt this Sunday, you're missing church, you know, I want you home by dinner or, you know, and she's usually really cool about it, but you know, the the dad in me is, is like, okay, I got to get home and be with my family. Um, I can't be out here all day and, you know, Jess needs some time to herself too. And we got to get the kids ready to go for the week and, and all that. So, you know, I got a lot of dad guilt and I just don't stay in the woods that long. So sometimes I only get a morning sit or an evening sit and might only sit in the morning on Saturday. I might only sit in the evening on Sunday or, or, you know, unless I take the day off work during the week. Um, But if I'm going to do something like that, I kind of have to set it up where, you know, I might have to set up some kind of an ambush point or something where I'm not that far from the truck or I'm somewhere I know I'm going to get out easy. Or I'm somewhere I know I'm not going to get lost, um, just because it could turn if it turns into an all day event, you know that's going to make that's going to be a huge inconvenience for my family. And there's probably a lot of people that are like that um, that you can take advantage of um, yeah. that aren't going to make that aren't going to do little things, you know, like go that extra mile or or 
cross that creek or, or, you know. Yeah, I, I, I do. And I mean, it's, it's so, well, there's a couple of things there I'll, I'll touch on. So obviously, um, mileage is a good thing. I mean, you, when you get, a, if you get, if you can get, I use the, uh, the term, if you get out of, of key lock range, so, you know, you know how far your remote will lock the doors on your vehicle or you can sound the horn. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people that's, that's an indication that they're too far from the truck. So, but you know, going in deep is definitely a good way to do it. Um, and I, I will, I will say this with regards to, um, you know, I may only be able to hunt a half a day. Here's the one thing I w- I would tell you is just my piece of advice. Um, if you're looking to be successful um, and not just be a, a a bow hiker or or mm-hmm. or you know you're just looking to 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 watch nature. If you if you want to be successful, then I would rather spend two hours hunting in an area that I felt a, a high amount of confidence in than four hours in an area just because I didn't want to spend the extra hour on each end getting in and out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if it's a day that I can only hunt till, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, I typically don't change anything. I'll still put in, you know, I'll go that. And it's not always getting in deep. That's not necessarily always the case. But I have found that, you know, once you get – uh, a half mile, especially in archery season, once you get a half mile here in Georgia from where you have to park, chances of you running into anybody went way down. And if you mm-hmm. go a mile in, you're not going to see anybody unless they're lost. Um, uh, it, that's kind of what I've found. Now, here's one thing I will challenge you with, though, um, to think about between now and, and this fall. When you're talking about those areas that you've only got uh, a short window of time to hunt, so you need something that that is accessible. It's not always about an obstacle or how far away you can get from the truck or from everybody else. Um, sometimes you have to look for the spot that's just too obvious. Um, and I'll give you I'll give you one example of that. One of the most productive areas that I've hunted on public land, if you look at the last. 15 years um one of the wmas that and it's dawson forest wma you've been on that wma um and i don't i don't do this anymore so i haven't hunted this area in a year so i really don't care about about giving out this location but there's a a, a maintenance uh wildlife uh management uh, maintenance station on this wma right on the highway and they keep all they keep and maintain and do service on all the the vehicles and so forth that they use in maintaining all the WMAs in in a, a certain area. I don't know exactly what the area is, but it's it's a they have a lot of big trucks, a lot of tractors, and so forth. And the area just behind that maintenance shed, I have seen more deer. I have harvested more deer off of that one section than any other public land. Nobody will hunt it. Um, because it's, it's right next to the game warden. You know, they want, they want to avoid the game warden, which if you're not doing anything wrong, who cares? But people just, they, they want to avoid that. Mm. Um, and I will tell you how close, um, I shot a doe there a few years back and I was hunting so close to that 
maintenance shed and I didn't know the, the, the gentleman was there at the time, but when I shot that, that doe after about, I don't know, five minutes, maybe I heard, uh, a, a DNR officer that was actually at that shed at the time hollered down into the woods and said, well, did you get it? Um, <laughs> And he ended up actually coming out and helping me drag the animal out of the woods because it was literally so close. And, you know, he, he kind of laughed and said he'd been watching my truck. And he figured somebody was hunting back there. And he said, you know, we see deer back there and, and out here in the, the grass in front of the, the maintenance shed all the time. And nobody hunts it. So, you know, look for look for something that may be just too good to be true or too obvious and you may actually stumble into a really good hunting area that's that's actually very accessible this was maybe a five minute walk from where i parked mm-hmm. well you know there's something to be said too about just i mean i try not to let it get like i i don't i'm not going to get scared out of a good spot because somebody's been hunting there like if I've got a short amount of time and, and I'm there and I'm in the woods and I'm first or whatever, then I'm going to hunt it. I mean, that's not going to stop me. And usually if I'm going in and I got a two, three hour window, I'm going to hunt somewhere that I know I have the best chance of seeing something or I'm just wasting my time. So right. not necessarily looking for obstacles or things like that, but I, I do, I, I really like that point. Um, the obvious point that's 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 really kind of interesting because i know i've passed i i have passed places before that i thought were either too close to the truck or were too out in the open or obviously hunted too much where i just didn't hunt hunt it for whatever reason convince myself not to and then you could tell that deer had been there the next day you know and i missed out on it or whatever so yeah i like sure. that's 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 a good that's good advice so well and all you know all of this too is is things that you can um that you can keep in mind you know one of the one of the big challenges about hunting public land especially if you're going to hunt out of state you know um tom and i have a, a mule deer hunt coming up this fall in in wyoming and we're hunting public land we're doing do-it-yourself public land and we've already started doing some scouting um uh, through topo maps and and through google earth uh which is a lot cheaper than a, a, a airline ticket to go out there and do it boots on the ground but you know you can use some of these these type uh tactics for going in blind too so obviously you want to look at you know topo maps and try to find funnels ridges and in some cases and i even did this on uh, uh public land in michigan if you know what to look for, you can actually even find game trails just looking at Google Earth. Um, not the easiest thing to do, but you can find it. And you can definitely see it um, uh, looking at, at Google Earth for, for areas out west. So, you know, there's there's definitely ways that you can, without ever setting foot on a piece of property, you can really narrow down um, – uh, the, the areas that you want to hunt. And I always, you know, definitely recommend you have more than one just in case one doesn't pan out. Like somebody puts you in Mm -hmm. the middle of a, of a, of a dog fence or, or something like that. But, um, you can really, and and with Google earth, in some cases, the imagery is, has gotten so good at this point, you can almost zoom in and, and pick a, a specific tree that you want to, that you feel like you can hang a stand in to hunt out of. So, um, you know, all of these tools are, are, are readily available. And especially if you're looking at hunting an area that, um, 
is 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 out of state um, or maybe it's just a you know a four or five hour drive within your state and you you know you're not going to have time to go and scout it but you want to hunt it mm-hmm. you know put those tools to use um there's it, it doesn't it doesn't cost you anything i mean most of it you know with uh with google earth and then uh, cal topo is a is another good one um there's a lot of good free tools out there that that you can do a lot of scouting just sitting at your computer um yeah totally and uh you know you said before that's like your favorite part of all this anyway that's kind of what you uh what you like to do the most you almost as much as hunting you like to be you like to put that time in in the off season and i'm I'm really trying to do that and there's a couple places like um the first year i ever got was actually on university property where i work i work at grand valley state university and and the first deer i ever shot was on a on a, a doe culling program uh, where you could hunt on university grounds uh, as long as you were 100 yards away from a building. And I haven't been back since. Um, and I I was just talking to the arborist the other day, and I, I think I'm going to I think I'm gonna do it this year because you can hunt it from December 18th on to the first of the year. And I know like 22 people hunt there, and I'm always assuming that there's well, they're all hunting out there and they've all got the spots picked out, and I'm, I've kind of talked myself out of it because, you know, I'm like, all right, well, I haven't put any time in and I also don't want to go stomping around on property. That's not mine, you know, and, and whatnot. But I talked to him and I'm like, do you mind if I go stomping around on property and, and check it out and, you know, do a little bit of research and pick your brain. And he's like, no, I don't care. I want people to shoot deer out of here. (laughs) So I'm going to do that this year. I'm taking advantage of it. Um, by the time December rolls around, I want that to be my late season spot. And I mean, I, there's, there's a heck of a lot less chance I'm going to get bugged out there. I mean, you have to be a university employee to be able to hunt out there and it's bow only. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, the other thing too is, uh, I know I mentioned I have, I've had short windows in the past, but I haven't really like most of the time if I, if I just asked Jess and talked to her about it, I'd be fine. Like if I told her like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna hunt all day, she'd be she'd say fine, sure, you know. I just again I think it's more guilt than anything. It's not like she's telling me I can't go sure. hunting. Um, you know, it's more of I think getting I I think if I what I would rather do than do little teeny hunts here and there, I'd rather get more targeted and get more out of my hunts, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So, it does. Yeah. I mean, like whatever I can do, whatever edge I can get out of the woods and say, okay, I am going to hit it hard this weekend and I'm going to hunt all day Saturday. That would be, it. it I, it's going to be more effective to do that than it's going to be for me to go out Friday night for a couple hours and then try to hit it Sunday morning for a few more. Um, well, or something, well, again, it goes know, back to what I was saying earlier. Depending you, on the Are weather. you going to be a, yeah. a hunter or are you going out there to, 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 to watch wildlife yeah you know there's nothing wrong with either one of them there's nothing wrong with going out into the woods like there's been times i've gone out into the woods where actually often where i've gone out in the woods knowing full well that there's little chance i'm going to see anything um where i i I didn't put time in or maybe the wind's not quite right or maybe i'm uh you know and i had to go somewhere i wasn't familiar with or maybe you know, for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's dreary and the weather's not great or something, but I just, I want to take the time. It's deer season. I want to go be in the woods. I want to be by myself. There's, there's plenty of times I've done that too. 
um, you know, trying to avoid not messing something up. That's good. <laughs> you know, obviously right. I'm not going to go tramping around somewhere that's going to totally mess it up. But, um, and on the other hand, you know, it's public land. Somebody could be there right after you. I mean, if I'm going to hunt one weekend and then I'm, I'm not in there a week and somebody comes in there and you, know, you could have four or five hunters in there during that week, you know, for all I know. Um, one thing I'll add that I have learned though, is that, and I, I kind of learned this more from hunting out with John at Yankee is that, I mean, it's a hell of a lot better to get time off during the week and hunt during the week than it is to try to go out on the weekend and battle all the weekend warriors. Sure. Um, I'm actually really surprised how few people hunt during the week. Um, well, you know, when, when we've hunted out there, we don't see hardly anybody during the week. We don't. And it's the same when, but it's the same when I hunt with you in Georgia too. Like it's always better. I mean, when you and I go, uh, like on a Thursday or a Wednesday, um, Friday morning, you know, that well, here there's, we, we just have so much property and, and yeah, you know, even, even as little far North as I am from Atlanta during archery season, you very rarely run into people. Now McGraw Ford after, after the regular archery season closes, the archery only WMAs, you're going to run into more people. But and I I typically avoid the the management areas these days during the the managed hunts and the gun seasons. Um, don't know why. Just I've just something I've I've not done recently. But um, yeah, we 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 I don't think we have the numbers um, except mm-hmm. during the management hunts that that you guys deal with. Yeah, um, it's you know, and it's not too bad. Um, and and you know the nice part about it is I've got. You know, the place I live right now in Rockford, I'm not far from Rogue River game area. I'm not far from Cannonsburg game area off Egypt Valley Road. You know, I'm not far from, I mean, it's not like this is all public knowledge, so it's not like I'm giving anything away. Um, right. It's, uh, I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm like a 30, 45 minutes from, from Yankee Springs. Um, I've got, I've got plenty of land to bounce between now. Uh and that's just getting up and, inv- and investigating. There's places I'd like to go check out that I haven't checked out, and I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't. I've just I've just been either too busy or too lazy, and I, and I haven't really put enough time in there. Um, or I've been scared off because I found signs of other hunters there, or, and I thought, okay, well, that's too hunted. I don't want to mess it up. But I mean, my attitudes kind of changed that changed about that too. Now I'm I'm kind of like, well, you know, if I put the time in and the work, and I'm in the woods before you, then I'm in the woods before you. And, and I got to be, I got to get, you know, I, I think I'm going to get a lot better with that. Um, you know, cause I, I'm not, I'm not out there just for my health. You know, I don't, I don't want to go out there and every time sit without a chance to see anything just because I don't want to ruin somebody else's experience. And I know that sounds really strange. To, it's probably going to sound strange to a lot of people, but I've always been that way where I'm kind of like, I don't want anybody messing with me. I don't want to see people. I'm out here. I want to be in solitude and you know, it like, I'm one of those people that if I wake up late or something happens, like I'm not going to go stomping around in the woods at 10 a.m. Just because, or at least I'll drive by the area. And if I see people parked there, I'm like, okay, I'm not going in at 10 o'clock. Like I'm going to screw this up for somebody. That's just the way I am. Probably to a fault, but I don't know. It, It doesn't feel right to me. 
But anyway. Well, one thing I will, uh, I do want to slide in here because I was thinking about as you were, you, you, you've been talking about, you know, doing more scouting and you were talking about taking your kids out and taking pictures and so forth is, you know, when you do find those good areas, you want to try to, you want to try to keep those good areas secret. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing that I've actually seen a couple of people now made the mistake of is, um, with, with taking pictures. So, you know, if you're taking pictures and you're uploading them to, um, you know, Facebook or something like that, it, it kind of strips that stuff off. But, um, one thing to keep in mind, if you're taking pictures with a smartphone of areas and, you know, if you send those out in a text or an email or something like that, and somebody gets those, a lot of times they have the, unless you turn it off, there's geotagging in those photos. You're just sending locations out to people, yeah. You're sending the <laughs> locations out to people. Now, I know my, DL, my DSLR even has um, GPS, so it tags the photos there. So just something to keep in mind, you know, when you're you're anxious to share, hey, look at this great spot I found and look at all these rubs and be careful what you're doing. You may end up, you know, letting the cat out of the bag, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I've been in a couple instances where I've heard people tweak out about that, too. It's like, what do you got your location on for, moron? You know, yeah. <laughs> don't post that. Yeah, that's oh, it's pretty funny. It's like giving away your best fishing hole. <laughs> exactly, exactly like that. Well, Nick, we've been, uh, I think we've for, we kind of been rattling this one around for a while. I think it's, uh, it's getting kind of late here, and I've got an early morning, so I think we're going to kind of wrap this one up. Um, I do want to uh, close with, with one parting thought, though, and that's, um, you know, we've, we've spent the last two episodes talking about public land, and we've, we've, we've snuck in some discussions around stewardship and, and taking care of your public land, but we also need to think about um, protecting our public land um, for future generations. And that's, that's one thing that, um, uh, backcountry hunters and anglers is devoted to. I know you're a member. Um, I'm, I think, uh, three payments now away from, uh, being a life member. I decided to do that, uh, several months ago. Um, but great organization. Uh, they stay on top of, uh, threats to our, our public lands, our public streams. Would highly recommend anyone that um, takes advantage of public lands, whether it's camping, fishing, hunting, hiking, doesn't matter. If you enjoy the use of public lands, highly recommend you check them out. Um, you get a, a quarterly magazine, and they are out there fighting to protect uh, your public access uh, rights to public lands. Definitely. It's a good magazine, too. I've actually thought about sending stuff in there. Um, I think I will at some point, but I keep saying I do. And there's, uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure I will too. Um, but the, the list is, is getting longer and longer and I'm finding I'm, I'm working myself into positions where I have less and less time to write. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I hear you. And there's a lot of publication to send stuff to, that's for sure. But it is a really cool magazine and it's, uh, if you're not just a hunter, um, there's a lot of other stuff in there. It's not like it's just focused on that. It's in, in fact, there's every single issue is really diverse and, uh, there's a lot of great photographers. It's well edited. Um, you should definitely check it out if you're, if you're interested in hunt on public land. So absolutely. Or do anything. On public well, Nick, Nick, as, uh, as always, thank you so much for, uh, for participating with me. Uh, look forward to the the next opportunity that we get to uh, 
get together and, and do one of these. And until then, uh, take care, and I will talk to you soon. Yeah, catch you later, Steve. That brings us to the end of episode number three. I would like to thank everyone for listening to the podcast, and if you are listening to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or other outlet, please be sure to subscribe, and we would be grateful if you could take the time to leave us a review. Also, a quick follow-up reminder to be sure to check out Backcountry Hunters and Anglers over on their website at backcountryhunters.org. And if you're not already a member, please consider joining. Even if you're not a hunter but take advantage of public lands for other activities, always remember that BHA is devoted to keeping public lands in public hands. Until next time, be sure to get out there and enjoy our great outdoors. And if you can, take a kid along. Be safe, be responsible, and be sure to set a good example for your fellow outdoors men and women. So long, everyone.